You're listening to the Virtual World Society's Next in Podcast. For this episode, we invited Robin White and Michael Owen, founders of Media Combo. To get involved with our organization, head over to virtualworldsociety.org. What is going on, everybody? It is Maxwell, host of the Nexton Podcast. Very happy to be here with two incredibly special guests. Brilliant guests. This is one of the, one of the things I love about hosting the Nexton Podcast is I always get to interview very interview, uh, very interesting people. We've got Robin White Owen and Michael Owen, co-founders of Media Combo, VRAR specialists, video specialists. Thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The Virtual World Society is an organization that really loves to partner with interesting people, people who are making an impact in the virtual reality and the visual arts space. Can you tell me a little bit about how that partnership started with the Virtual World Society? Well, through through Dr. Angelina Dayton, right? Because... um, Michael had the opportunity to uh, meet her. I think we, we met her at a uh, uh, either a Facebook uh, conference or something. Michael, I guess you can put in the details there. But at the time, she was known as the VR lady. And, um, you know, she was doing a lot of work with... Uh, with uh, people, uh, students on on uh, Indian reservations in Oklahoma, native native reservations, and um, we wanted to get some advice from her because we were developing um, a a virtual reality education uh, project, and she seemed like she had a wealth of information. So we met her. When was it, Michael? I think it was at the Oculus Connect in two thousand nineteen. And um, she was, I don't know if we actually physically met, but we passed and, um, you know, uh, it, it, I was f- taken by all the work she was posting on Facebook because she was involved in the introduction of VR in the Oklahoma public school system. And just this, that it was so clear that she was where there was no talking, you know, about great ideas and theories about VR and education, she was actually dealing with how students put on headsets and were using VR and how teachers were taking what was available in terms of content and having to adapt it to curriculum to make it educationally advantageous. So that's so we, what we, we had a chance to tell her about our project and she was immediately, um, I want to say, captivated by what we were doing. She was, she became a supporter right away. And so we've been working with Angelina since since then, right? We've uh, put a couple of grants proposals together, and she was planning to. She, she we put her down as our researcher, and um, so she she's always been looking out for opportunities. So when she became as deeply involved as she is in Virtual World Society. Um, she uh, thought about bringing us on to the SkillSpark project. And honestly, it's really made a huge difference. Um, You know, being able to have the headsets, being able to work on the Engage platform in the Virtual World Society's uh, land area, whatever that 
whatever it's called, um, you know, has really uh, made a made a, a a big difference. It's enabled us to um, to build uh, a much better version of the prototype that we're working with, and best of all, in a way, it's actually enabled us to make these three D recordings of what we're doing, which allow us to show what we're doing to people in a way that they couldn't really understand any other way. I think everyone understands how hard it is to um, to get people to understand what it's like to be in virtual reality if you've never put on a headset. It's just like really hard. And the closest that we can get to it is to show people what these 3D recordings are like because they're there with the students following along with the activity that we are um, giving them, which of course right now is a big mystery because we haven't really described it yet, I realize. Um, but um, but anyway, it's it's just been a, it's been such a great break and such a great opportunity. So Michael, I guess you can describe what we're doing. Um, what we're doing demonstrations of is uh, virtual learning galleries which is a effort to uh, take a in real world pedagogy called visual thinking strategies and uh, which is a great program. It was developed in the early nineties at the museum of modern art and is used by many museums, thousands of them, and also in many schools. But ideally it takes place in a, museum gallery. And even when it's done in a classroom, it requires a skilled person called a facilitator who runs the session. And what we've always believed is if you could do that in VR, it would make it possible to expand the deployment of this curriculum in a way that's just not possible in real life. And um, so that's what we've done. We've and 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 so as michael was saying the the pedagogy that we're working with is called visual thinking strategies so one of the things that's pretty unique is that a lot of the educational pro programs and projects that are out there in the world right now are not really based on a specific pedagogy and this one is so that's one thing that makes it unique and another thing is that um the, the 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 goal of using this this visual thinking strategies is to uh, promote critical thinking, observational skills, social and emotional learning, perspective taking, collaborative team building, all of these really important 21st century skills, basically. And the cool thing is that the way that it does that is by um, taking students and putting them in front of a, a painting, an artwork and asking them three questions. And the questions are, what do you, what's going on in this picture? What do you see that makes you say that? What else can we find? So you're asking kids or anyone who's doing this to tell you a story, to look at the picture and make sense of what they're seeing. Not just, it's an, I see this object, I see that object, but to create some kind of sense of a relationship of what's going on. And then you ask, what do you, what makes you say that? You're asking them to provide evidence in the picture of what it is. So you're promoting their, their evidentiary reasoning skills, right? And then what more can we find? 
So when you're with a group of students, this is a social experience in, in a museum, it's a social experience in a classroom, and it's a social experience in VR, where um, kids are listening to each other and learning what other people see and the fact that other people may interpret things differently than you do. So you're both learning from your peers and you're also having to acknowledge that they might see things differently and that's legitimate. In this in this process there's no right answer and there's no wrong answer, you know. So what's really amazing is that kids come out of the experience um understanding that they have learned more working together about something than they would have learned by themselves. And often they'll, they've changed their minds. Oh yeah, you know, now I, now that you say that, I, I see this differently, right? So, and so, and these, um, these skills can be, and, and have been adapted so that you can be analyzing a piece of literature this way, or you can be analyzing a historical text this way, or a math, a math problem, you know? I mean, it's, it's applicable to a lot of different um, academic pursuits in the K through 12 world. And it actually, there are, there are curriculums that are designed based on paintings that have been uh, selected for, you know, four and five year olds, <laughs> right. All the way through uh, 17 and 18 year olds. Right. And, um, and so, so that's what we have been um, developing and uh looking for funding to uh, continue to do research and build prototypes. And now we have um, another version of this. So do you want to talk about that, Michael? Yeah, last Monday, um, previous week, uh, we took a bunch of the headsets down to the um, University of Miami, and we did uh, a session with six students um, Two were medical students, two were uh, anesthesiology nursing students, and two were physical therapists, all postgraduate level, um, you know, students. And the University of Miami's various schools of, of different medicine consider that visual thinking strategies is a tool that very effectively um gives their students essential non-technical skills. In other words, that by looking at the works of art, the way Robin described, um, the students are able to look more closely and basically transfer that to looking at patients better and being more effective at being able to make observations and they've done uh, a test in real life uh, studies that demonstrate that compared to a control group, students that do VTS um, basically provided longer answers, higher word counts, and better vocabulary than the ones in the control group. And so this is an opportunity to be able to extend the amount of this training that they <clears throat> get because they're it's an hour and a half drive to the museum where they do this. And, you know, this will make it possible for them to, we're hoping to do a test where rather than just get an hour and a half of training, they'll be able to get like four sessions. Three of the four will be in VR. 
And the thing that's really interesting is that it's not just the University of Miami Medical School and and School of Nursing and General Health Studies that is doing this. There are there are over 125 partnerships between museums and medical schools around the country where they're doing some form of visual thinking strategies. Uh, very often it's uh, including other kinds of uh, humanities activities uh, or artistic activities, but it's, um, you know, kind of uh, this, this idea that, that, that doctors and nurses spend all their time looking at charts instead of at patients. That's what this is about, right? It's about, and, and, and also bringing specialists together who have their own biases about what is, what a patient should, what kind of treatment should happen. And when they can listen to each other and, and all be looking at the same details of the patient, they have a much better chance of being able to collaborate and come up with a working diagnosis and treatment plan. So anyway, so that's, that's what we're doing. Yeah. Well, that's incredibly fascinating. And one thing I noticed is that I remember long ago, this was a couple of a couple of years ago, so I shouldn't say long ago. That's that's too far. But a couple of years ago, I asked Dr. Tom Furness, the founder of Virtual World Society, a question. I, I, I said, I'm an educator myself. I'm a, I'm a professor at a couple different universities. And what what can I what can I do? How does VR impact education? And he gave a brilliant answer. He said, no matter what, once they put the headset on, they will never forget that experience. They will always remember the information. Do you think that VR education is so positive because retention rates are so high with immersive experiences? Yeah. I mean, uh, our... Our our students when 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 we've finished we're, uh, you know a session with them we we actually give them surveys and we ask them you know what do you like about this experience what could be better what don't you like how do you think it's different in VR than it is in real life and one of the one of the big things that they say right Michael is focus it allows you to focus much better than if you're like on a Zoom call or even you know in a in a class with a bunch of other kids right you know you're you're you know VR kind of hijacks your brain right and you're right there in the space and the fact that it's social um is you know it's a kind of uh, what's the word it's 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 believable you know it's just completely believable and those are two really big reasons why I think uh, the learning can be so um, so so deep or so strong. You know, a lot of VR education is about is, is sort of science based and it's like playing with 3D models and getting inside a heart and you know or getting into the inner gizzards of a motor to fix this or that or the other thing. What we're talking about is not that kind of physical going into or uh, manipulating. It's much more conceptual and still it's really, it's it's very sticky. It's very sticky, and as teachers who we've shown this process to, yeah, um, they'll say, for example, I could never get a group of kids hogging a painting in a real gallery <laughs> right. for twenty minutes. And then you have you know you that ability to go right up to it in a way a guard never would, um, and would never let you in a, in a you know. So th- there's a lot of um, there's a lot of it's just the ability to really study and look at the at the image and feel close to it 
and then congrat congregate around it. You know, obviously, and have time, have yeah. the time, slow down, and and so everyone, I you know, seems to to respond that way. I mean, mm. you put the headset on and you're focused on what's at hand in a way that's just yeah. doesn't happen in a classroom and uh, even in a, in a gallery, you know? Yeah. What else would you like to know? <laughs> <laughs> One thing I'm very curious about, passionately curious about is student happiness factors when it comes to virtual reality, because there's an emotional aspect to learning. You know, there's, for for a long time, education really isn't isn't that old. Maybe a hundred years. You know, obviously lessons yeah. have always existed, but the education as our as our struck in our structured society is not that old. And what I've noticed is that there are classes that students will dread going to. They the they will be like, oh man, I I don't want to go to uh, I, I don't want to throw any class under the bus. But I one one in particular, <laughs> I have a, no, a number of my students that say like, oh, statistics is a nightmare and everything. And I and I was thinking to myself, I'm like, there's got to be a better way to teach this. There's there's got to be. That's one of the reasons I got into virtual reality. There's got to be a better way to teach these concepts. Do you notice that the students' happiness is also impacted by doing virtual reality? exercises they're more excited to come to class they're happier to be in the classroom it's not really something that we can talk about because we're not we're not doing this in classrooms really you know on any kind of regular basis right we've we've had the opportunity to work with the medical the medical students once um the angelina some of angelina's students uh, on the reservation one time we worked with uh groups of kids in Norway, uh, because they were the only kids that had headsets when we first started out doing this. Um, we worked with them for a number of sessions and they they totally enjoyed it. But, um, you know, and then we'd been working with kids in Brooklyn here um, at a middle school and at a high school. But it's not, we're not doing this consistently enough to, I think, really be able to answer that question. I mean, to put your, to, to get into a headset one time and do this, they all think it's fantastic. They think it's so much fun, you know. But that's about all. I think that's really all that we can say. Yeah. Happiness is is a, is a big factor. And I noticed that as soon as they put the headset on for the first time, they are very excited. Do they find the headsets easy to use or are, are they simple enough that, that the students can kind of get the hang of it? We're using quests and they seem to get the hang of it, you know, fairly quickly. You know, some students do if they're again it's like what do you have time especially in a classroom to to you know some students do get um you know i don't know fatigue or you know they're, they're they don't take to the, the headset as well as as we would like and they um you know say that after the session obviously our sessions don't really run more than about 45 minutes um and that sort of seems to be the ideal time between of, of like looking at a few works of art and talking about them. Um, so I would say for the most part, they get it. Uh, and certainly if they do it twice, they understand how to maneuver around the second time that that, that initial thing uh, falls off. But I think the fact is that sometimes putting it, we're using right now the engage platform and um 
whether it's that they we do allow them to to use the the right hand the left hand to 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 sort of slide around in the space i'm not sure exactly what it is but i you know today we had a student you know who definitely didn't you know feel fantastic after he took his headset off though he stayed through the entire you know project um so they're getting easier. I'd love like the the HTC Flow that you don't need to wear glasses. You know, you can set the diopter. Um, I think as we get more lighter weight and and devices like that, it's going to be even better. You know, in terms of being able to put people into into headsets. And speaking of that, your partnership with the Virtual World Society has been really beneficial, especially with getting resources and supplies. What about at the source? You know, these companies such as Oculus or HTC uh, or Pico, you know, when they are designing their products, is there anything that you notice that would make them more education friendly? Well, hmm. I mean, for us, you know, in terms of what we're doing right now, um, we're fine with the self-contained, you know, the Android headsets, um, irrespective of the manufacturer, because schools just, you know, to have to run a PC and whether it's wireless or tethered, that's just a hill too far in terms of maintenance, even though obviously the more realistic simulation systems do tend to be pc vr driven systems um so to me that's a a, a critical thing is how do you make them self-contained and drive up the quality that we're able to um deliver uh you know right now we're working in engage which is fantastic and we have that 3d record capability but if we were able to move to the next level I'd like a much more photorealistic environment. And then you start putting multiple people in that. That's where you push ahead against the, you know, what you can actually do in real time with no to low latency. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, those are considerations that we're thinking about. And obviously, um, what is important for analysis of stuff is the kind of tracking <clears throat> that you can do already with some headsets like the, the 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 Quest Pro you have the you can do hot zones and stuff like that see where people are looking and correlate that with what other people you know just the, the, there are a lot of things that you can do that will help the reporting to teachers to make them understanding how this and quantifying because if we're talking about art it's the kind of stuff that in the past would be hard to qualify how good these conversations are. But with VR, you have a track for each participant's audio that you run through a text processor. You That's how you pull out the word count. That's how you can qualify the keywords that are hit relative to what's you know generally expressed about that work of art. And the you know the complexity of the of the adjectives and adverbs that were used to describe <clears throat> the work. Yeah, 
it's a fantastic uh, experience, you know, in virtual reality, the advancement of it and trying to change things. As somebody who actually works full time at Engage, uh, I can say I definitely appreciate not only that you use the platform, but uh, also that, you know, I, I love Engage and I, I love virtual reality and I love to see those advancements. I love to see those improvements. I love to see better photorealism. I love when things improve in this technology, which they happen very fast. So you have a partnership with Watershed. How did that start and how has this partnership helped you? Yes, yes, we do. Watershed Collaborative was founded by Nick Gardner and Philip Yenowin to distribute curricula and other teaching materials for the visual thinking strategies, which is the teaching methodology that we are using in our virtual learning gallery. Uh, Philip co-created visual thinking strategies or VTS. So it's really been essential to have them on our team. So I am very interested about your organization, your company, Media Combo. How did that start and how did your uh, partnership with that start? I've always been interested in, in, in museums and working with museums. And um, so I've been developing uh, exhibition-related media for like, 30 years, you know, starting with video production. So an orientation video that would go along with an exhibition, for example, right? And um, need I needed a company to work through, and Michael had a company already <laughs> um, where he was producing commercials and music videos. So I just took a little desk in the company, you know, um, and slowly worked my way up to being, uh, you know, the a uh, uh, co-partner, whatever, in the company that we had before Media Combo. And then um, when we closed that and we reopened this, we just, we did it together, just, you know. Um, and that's that's how we, you know, the focus on museums came from, um, that's why we're doing virtual learning galleries with visual thinking strategies that was invented at the Museum of Modern Art in 1991. It's just this steady uh, sort of evolution of working with technology and museums, video and museums, then um, websites and museums, touchscreen interactives in museums, mobile tours and museums, um, and then augmented and virtual reality and museums. We've done a couple of other VR projects that are art related as well, but that's sort of a separate story. So I don't know, that's my version. Michael, what do you say? <laughs> it's pretty accurate. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> the- Well, you're the one that got us started in VR though, so. Right, that was um, for um, Lake Baikal, the, the, the oldest, deepest, most voluminous body of liquid fresh water in Siberia. And on Earth. On, on Earth in Siberia. Uh, and um, I was involved in a IMAX project that never materialized, but I'd spent years working on it. And so around 2015, when I felt, even though we'd done a trip to Moscow to meet with people about shooting it and everything else, this seemed like, you know, everywhere you looked, was, you know, the New York Times was putting out Google Cardboard, VR was the next thing. And I did a test of um, uh, a environment in VR at an IMAX 
conference. And I just thought, this is amazing. At the time, it was like, this is how he would support sort of ancillary materials that would, you know, go around it. But then I just approached to forever, but I got through to Google Expeditions and they gave us enough money to go to Lake Baikal and um, shoot. And the Google Expeditions are a series of stills, but then we took that material with the Russian crew and turned it into a seven minute and 20 second, very atmospheric video. And I love it to this day, um, you know, about Lake Baikal and in March when it's completely frozen over. And so that, you know, got me into the world and very quickly was disabused that that's not VR, that's just 360 video and the rest, you know, evolved from there, you know. Excellent. Well, that is fantastic. You know, the organ, sorry, the virtual reality industry needs more individuals like you who are so focused on making an impact on the world by utilizing this technology. So I want to thank you both, not only for your time, but also your contributions to this industry. So thank you, Robin Owen and Michael, so, so much for your time and your contributions. Well, Great. thank you. Our thank pleasure you for the to opportunity to, to join you. express our gratitude too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, the Virtual World Society is happy to partner with uh, uh, with individuals, professionals uh, like yourself. So, thank you again so very much for your time. This has been a fascinating conversation. Once again, I am Maxwell with the Virtual World Society. Next in podcast, we will see you every Friday for a new episode. Thank you very much. If you want to support our work, you can join free at virtualworldsociety.org to receive regular newsletters and updates, donate to help fund our projects and work, and register to volunteer and get in on the action.